Welcome to Music for Life, enhancing the Armstrong concert experience. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. In today's episode, we explore the incredibly dramatic symphonic work by Johannes Brahms, his tragic overture. In the lead-up to an all-Brahms concert coming to Armstrong Auditorium Thursday, March 15th. We will also discuss the artists bringing us this spectacular evening, Germany's oldest orchestra, the Staatskapelle Weimar, plus its acclaimed conductor and touring violin virtuoso. So stick around as we spotlight these masterful artists and their banquet of Brahms today on Music for Life. In college, we had an incredible music history professor, Dr. Michael Buds, who said every real musician goes through a Brahms phase where they are just crazy about Brahms. This was good news to me as I was in the midst of my Brahms phase right at that time. And these 20 plus years later, I'm still in that phase. I'm very excited that we are presenting an evening of all Brahms music on Thursday, March 15th at Armstrong Auditorium. Taking us through the incredible journey from this German composer will be Germany's oldest orchestra, the Staatskapelle Weimar, under their illustrious music director and principal conductor, Kirill Karabitz. The main course of this program will be Brahms's first symphony, a grand work that we discussed in one of our previous episodes, which begins with this grandiose introduction containing a throbbing sobriety.
So that was the introduction to Brahms's first symphony. The slow second movement contains exquisitely beautiful writing, like this moment here from a violin solo and oboe. The third movement of Brahms's first symphony contains a more light-hearted feel. And Brahms's first symphony is most known for this melody in the fourth and final movement, which has often been compared to the tune in Beethoven's ninth, the Ode to Joy theme.
The Staatskapelle Weimar will also team up with violinist Valery Sokolov, one of Ukraine's leading violinists who has studied and performed all over Europe, and they will perform Brahms's beloved violin concerto. We also discussed this work on a previous episode. Here's a little of that concerto in the violin solo's dramatic entrance in the first movement. The second movement of Brahms' Violin Concerto contains this exquisite melody heard here in the high register of the violin.
and the third movement of Brahms's Violin Concerto, which I've played on a couple of occasions on this program before, is absolutely cheery and triumphant. Here's the high-octane coda, or final section, from that work. If you missed either of those episodes about Brahms's first symphony or his violin concerto, you can find them in the archives at kpcg.fm or on SoundCloud or iTunes. They are episodes 84 and 85. The one about Brahms's first symphony is called Stepping Out of Beethoven's Shadow, and the one about the violin concerto is called The Concerto Doctor, since Brahms was awarded with an honorary doctorate from the University of Breslau for writing that concerto. Now, the Staatskapelle Weimar will open this all-Brahms evening with the dramatic, tragic overture. We will talk about this single-movement orchestral work next, and then we will talk more specifically about the violinist, orchestra, and conductor coming to Armstrong on Thursday, March 15th. I love this piece. In fact, when these great symphony orchestras tour the United States, they often come with a handful of program selections— I, of course, wanted the all-Brahms program from this German orchestra, and there was even a little leeway as to what shorter orchestral work they would play in addition to the Brahms symphony. I chose this work, the Tragic Overture, which is absolutely dripping with so many fantastic moments. The other choice we were given was the Academic Festival Overture, written the same year as this one. As stated earlier, the University of Breslau had awarded Brahms an honorary doctorate after he had written his triumphant violin concerto, which we explored last episode. The Academic Festival Overture was written a year after that as thanks for the honorary degree. Also that year, as Brahms had a tendency to write things in pairs, he also penned this overture, a dramatic and somber contrast to the cheery academic festival overture. There is evidence he had sketched some of the material earlier in life, but what came from this effort in 1880 is truly monumental. 
Brahms wrote that the academic has led me to a second overture which I can only entitle The Dramatic, which does not please me. He wasn't happy with that title. A month later, he wrote to the orchestra director in Breslau, you may include a dramatic or tragic or tragedy overture in your program for January 6th. I cannot find a proper title for it. (laughs) We today call it The Tragic Overture. Now, overture to what? Well, as we discussed in our very first episode, titled Prelude, which went through the great preludes and overtures of music history, overtures usually implied an introductory movement to a longer work, say to a suite, or more commonly to a massive vocal work like an opera or an oratorio. But eventually, composers started writing standalone orchestral works that simply carried the title Overture. It usually implied a work that embodied some literary idea. Now, there is no known literary concept that Brahms is trying to depict in this tragic overture. Certainly, the dramatic or tragic mood is conveyed, though, throughout all its melodies. Let's discuss the melodic material contained in this work. As I said in our previous episode, getting to know these tunes is kind of like being introduced to the players of a sports team. But think of it, in this case, as a roadmap for your ears, which I think is a more fitting metaphor here, given the nature of how this piece unfolds with its various melodies. There is some dispute over what to label the form Brahms uses, or how to categorize his organizational device for this work. Nonetheless, we will hear these themes. The idea of it being a concert overture, rather than the first movement of a symphony, actually gives Brahms a little more leeway in how he structures the piece. There's not an expected form he is to follow. Okay, so the piece opens with two colossal chords from the orchestra, like two massive blows to the ear to arrest your attention. After that, the first main theme is quietly stated. Brahms will use fragments of this theme throughout, which I'll get to in a minute. First, in spite of the many nerdy debates that could be had over the form of this work, I think it would be beneficial to think of this piece in three sections. The main, moderately fast section at the front and back, and then a lighter middle section placed over this triplet feel. And so no one is confused where this middle section begins. Here's a segment from the recording so you can hear the triplet feel or the three syllable per beat subdivision. So that's how the middle section begins. But back to our main sections on either side of this middle section. This main section contains several melodies in this order. I've already played the main theme, which I'd call A. Here is the somewhat melancholy and mysterious B theme. Not long after that, we hear this theme in the violins, a C theme. In contrast to this, we get a declamatory and heavily marked theme next, what I'd call the D theme. 
That builds us to this driving rich melodic idea next. After the statement of this fifth theme, this E theme I'd call it, we hear fragments of earlier themes, which indicates that this section could be coming to a close. And we know when this main section is about to finish because we hear the same two colossal chords from the beginning, which sounds almost like a repeat of the opening. In fact, after these chords, we get the same A theme stated again, much like it was the first time. However, the music begins to soften and slow down, which leads us into this middle section. Now, earlier I'd said that Brahms uses fragments of his A theme throughout the work. The main way he does this is he uses this little dotted figure from the A theme. And that forms the basis of the theme in this middle section, what we could call the F theme, or what I'd refer to as the middle section's main theme. We hear this dotted figure or dotted rhythm motive played throughout this section. Then we hear remnants of earlier themes indicating that Brahms is going to take us out of this middle section and back into more familiar territory. First, we hear the strings playing what I called the melancholy and mysterious B theme. Brahms has here indicated that we are back in the first tempo, though more tranquil, marking in the score tempo primo ma tranquilo. He also reminds us of the opening ascending motive as it makes its way through the low strings. He has the horns perform that slower and in a sunnier major key as we now appear to be done with the middle section. Right after that, the violas remind us of the C theme. As we would expect, next we hear that declamatory D theme. This is followed, as it was earlier, by this E theme. And then we have all the fragments of the melody that we heard before that led us into the middle section. However, in this case, it's going to the coda, the closing section of any piece of music. And this section is based on fragments of the A theme, particularly that dotted rhythm figure. So, to sum up, I suppose you could say that this piece has five themes, A, B, C, D, E, then a contrasting middle section based on a fragment of the A theme, and then a return of B, C, D, and E, and then a coda. I hope that gives you a roadmap for this dramatic and fantastic piece of orchestral repertoire that unfolds over about 15 minutes. Let's hear it in its entirety now. We're listening to a recording by the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra under the baton of Leonard Bernstein.
You are listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. In today's episode, we are exploring Germany's oldest orchestra, the Staatskapelle Weimar, plus its acclaimed conductor and touring violin soloist, as they bring an all-Brahms concert to Armstrong Auditorium Thursday, March 15th, here in Edmond, Oklahoma. We also specifically explored the incredibly dramatic opening piece to their program, which we just heard, Johannes Brahms' Tragic Overture. We heard a recording by Leonard Bernstein conducting the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra. Now, I would like to talk more specifically about these artists coming to Armstrong. As mentioned earlier, the Staatskapelle Weimar, with its music director Kirill Karabitz, are touring with Ukrainian violinist Valery Sokolov. This will be for the performance of Brahms's Violin Concerto in D Major. And before we talk about the orchestra and what a Staatskapelle is, let's talk about this violin virtuoso. Valery Sokolov was born in 1986 in northeastern Ukraine. At age 13, a successful performance in the 1999 Pablo Sarasate International Violin Competition won him a grant that allowed him to study at the Yehudi Menuhin School in England. After graduating from there, he was admitted to the Royal College of Music in London and later completed postgraduate studies at the Hochschule für Musik und Theater in Frankfurt and at the Kronberg Music Academy. At the young age of 19, he won the 2005 International Anescu Violin Competition held in Romania, winning the first prize plus two other special honors there. Since then, he has performed in some of the most notable concert halls around the world, from Paris to St. Petersburg, London to New York, and alongside some of the finest orchestras in the world, from Moscow to Singapore, Tokyo to Cleveland. He has collaborated with the giants of the classical music industry and taken part in internationally acclaimed music festivals from Aspen to Switzerland. He has also premiered new compositions and is signed to an exclusive recording contract with EMI Classics. The respected classical music magazine, The Strad, said this about Valeri's playing. It was full of effective contrasts, steel alternating with velvet, by the last movement, he was at full power, his sound sumptuous, it was dramatic and exhilarating, and bound together by a firm sense of direction. Here's a recording of Valery Sokolov playing not the Brahms Violin Concerto, but the Tchaikovsky. This is a work that we've discussed on this program before, being considered so difficult as to be almost unplayable at the time. I've played the third and final movement on the program before, but here's the exciting finish to the first movement. Again, this is Valery Sokolov, violin soloist, and we're hearing David Zinman conducting the Tonhalle Orchestra Zurich. Thank you. 
So that was summer violinist Valery Sokolov performing with the Tonhalle Orchestra Zurich, conducted by David Zinman, in the end of the first movement of Peter Tchaikovsky's Violin Concerto. Sokolov will be the soloist for the Brahms Violin Concerto to be performed on March 15th at Armstrong Auditorium in an all-Brahms concert. The orchestra he will be featured alongside will be the Staatskapelle Weimar. The German word Staatskapelle literally translates to state chapel, but it is a term used in Germany to describe the musical institutions of the princely courts. It now basically describes the orchestra of the state theater in Weimar, Germany. You may have heard recordings by the Staatskapelle Berlin or the Staatskapelle Dresden. Founded in 1491, the Staatskapelle Weimar is the oldest of these German institutions. Its history is closely associated to some of the world's best-known musicians such as J.S. Bach, Hummel, Liszt, and Richard Strauss. Under the aegis of Duchess Anna Amalia, the Weimar Court Orchestra became the premier musical institution of classical Weimar and part of the newly founded Hofttheater Weimar in 1791 which is the same year that marks the death of Mozart. During the 19th century, the orchestra continued to attract attention due to the achievements of Liszt and Strauss, who improved its quality and reputation. It was the first ensemble to perform numerous contemporary orchestral works, such as Liszt's Faust Symphony, his symphonic poems including Les Préludes, also Strauss's Death and Transfiguration, as well as operas such as Wagner's Lohengrin, Humperdinck's Hansel and Gretel, and Saint-Saëns's Samson and Delilah. The positive progress of the orchestra renamed the Weimarische Staatskapelle in 1919, came to an abrupt end when the National Socialists seized power in 1933. Following the calamitous events of World War II, the conductor Hermann Abendroth re-established the Staatskapelle Weimar to its former grandeur and quality, making it one of Germany's leading orchestras, a tradition that has continued to this day. Both in its extensive concert activities and opera productions at the German National Theater in Weimar, the Staatskapelle has worked to cultivate its great tradition in combination with innovative aspects. A wide range of CD recordings reflect its impressively diverse repertoire with works by history's great composers plus several contemporary composers. Since the fall of 2016, the Staatskapelle Weimar has been under the leadership of music director and principal conductor Kirill Karabitz, and when at Armstrong, this orchestra will be conducted by Maestro Karabitz. The Telegraph called him an inspired architect and lauded his ability to possess, quote, an energizing presence on the podium without being domineering, unquote. Karabitz has worked with many of the leading ensembles of Europe, Asia, and North America, including the Cleveland, Philadelphia, and San Francisco Symphony Orchestras, the Rotterdam Philharmonic, and the BBC Symphony Orchestra. Summer 2016 also saw his debut with the Chicago Symphony at the Ravinia Festival. He is a prolific conductor of opera, working in theaters from the English National Opera to the Bolshoi. Working with the next generation of bright musicians is of great importance to Karabitz. He serves as artistic director of a prominent Eastern European youth orchestra, and in 2012 and 2014, he conducted the televised finals of the BBC Young Musician of the Year Award. He was also named Conductor of the Year at the 2013 Royal Philharmonic Society Music Awards. Let's hear a recording of him conducting, and conducting, no less, the Staatskapelle Weimar. This is a segment of a tone poem by Franz Liszt titled Mazeppa, 
Liszt wrote this while in Weimar, so I suspect he even had this orchestra in mind when he composed this work. You are listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. In today's episode, we have explored the incredibly dramatic symphonic work by Johannes Brahms, his tragic overture, in the lead-up to an all-Brahms concert coming to Armstrong Auditorium Thursday, March 15th. We have also discussed the artists bringing us this spectacular evening, Germany's oldest orchestra, the Staatskapelle Weimar, plus its acclaimed conductor, Kirill Karabitz, and touring violin virtuoso, the 
Valery Sokolov. We just heard a recording of the Staatskapelle Weimar under the baton of music director Katerbitz. That was not a work by Brahms, rather by Franz Liszt. It was a segment from the tone poem Mazepa, written while Liszt was in Weimar. I played that mainly so you could hear the orchestra we'll be hearing at Armstrong, as well as its music director on the conductor's podium. I want to finish with another recording of the Staatskapelle Weimar. They were the orchestra that recorded the soundtrack to a 2013 German film titled Rubenrot. It's a score by Philipp Fabian Kölmel, and the orchestra was conducted by Christian Klaus Frank. We're going to hear a track titled London. Before we do, special thanks goes out to Seth Malone for his research and production support for today's episode. More information about this and all Armstrong events can be found at armstrongauditorium.org. We also put this link in our show notes. You can also follow Music for Life on social media at Music for Life PCG. So again, to conclude, here is a recording of the Staatskapelle Weimar in the soundtrack from the film Ruben Roth. I hope you enjoy, and I hope to see you soon at Armstrong. You have been listening to Music for Life, a production of KPCG 101.3 on the FM dial in Edmond, Oklahoma. From the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus, I'm Ryan Malone. Thanks for joining me.